sometimes hard when we're entrepreneurs and we're toiling away by ourselves in our office or basement or you know garage or whatever and you like you feel like the thing doesn't matter and you're not you're not talking to enough people and in my world or our world of being content creators you see a hundred views on a video or a thousand or a million it's just what does it mean it's hard to it's hard to taste it's hard to feel connected to the thing that you're doing but if you could actually feel responsible that people are counting on you that your story matters that if you don't show up today they need the thing that you've got right now if you can actually feel that you're just going to show up with a lot more power every single day and uh, i think that's part of the ongoing battle of being the entrepreneur hello everyone welcome back to another episode of inside the inspired the podcast where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the game in their respective industries before we dive into it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and follow us on Spotify so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes and content coming your way. Humans are very unique individuals, and this one in particular. What service means, what passion means, what purpose means. This individual has made it his mission to help others define theirs. And I'm very pleased to welcome the YouTuber, angel investor, podcaster, influencer, venture capitalist, and just overall kind human being from creator to philanthropist. Please welcome none other than Mr. Evan Carmichael. How are you today, sir? Let's go. Thanks, Jonathan. What an intro. That, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Well... What can I say? I would, I, I will say that your book, Built to Serve, definitely helped align a lot of what led to that introduction. So I appreciate you making the time today. Cool. Happy to. So let's start off by asking a rather cliche kind of question. What does it mean to be built to serve? I think humans are built to serve. I think if, if you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. Uh, and we're all hardwired to want to feel like we're doing something today that matters, not just to ourselves, but somebody else. And if you want long-term happiness and fulfillment, it's going to come down to feeling like you're going to do something today that's going to have an impact. And some people are built to serve the world. You know, you and I want to have a big impact. We create content, we share stories, we do interviews, we're trying to spread positivity and hope and optimism in our own way. And we want it to hit as many people as possible because it, it, what an impact that it can have on the world. And, and others, you know, like my wife, Nina, uh, and her goal isn't to change the world, but she wants to serve the closest people to her. And she's the glue for our family. And she's remembering everybody's birthdays and uh, understanding, you know, what we need to do for Halloween and Christmas and uh, just caring about the people closest to us. But either way, we, we want to serve. Um, I talk about it in the book, but they did functional MRIs on people's brains to see where, you know, what, what lights it up. And um, having food and having sex hit the same part of the brain as serving others. And so you're literally hardwired to serve others. And if you woke up every day and you drove to a job that you hate, that you felt like doesn't matter, that's the path. That's the path a lot of people are on. And that's a path towards stress and depression and suicide and all of these negative things. But if you woke up and felt like, Today's going to matter. You know, today's going to it's going to mean something to somebody else. Maybe you make a video that has a million views or maybe you just help one person because you bought their coffee. Uh if you felt like today was going to matter, you show up a completely different human. And so 
that's uh, that's, that's my goal. That was a goal of the book. That's what I wake up every day trying to do. I don't necessarily always accomplish it, but it's always the intention daily to try to help people realize that they matter and they can create things that matter for others too. A profound impact is made in a few different ways. And you've outlined different frameworks in your work and in the scope of your work for people to help instill purpose within themselves and find it in others. And you've received some rather awesome accolades from amazing people out there. We'll start with Gary V. Calls you this DJ of inspiration. Never really heard that before. What does that mean to you? To be a DJ of inspiration. Yeah, I didn't. I, I hadn't heard it either. Uh, I was doing an interview with Gary, uh, and he kind of just said that in the middle of the interview. I'm like, huh? Can I use that? <laughs> and it's funny how people see things in us that we may not see in ourselves, or sometimes people can uh, fix labels to things that we may not affix in ourselves. So uh, Gary some, said some great things. Others have as well, but. Uh, you know, I struggled, Jonathan, a lot in the early stages of of my content creation because I didn't need to be in front of the camera, um, introverted by nature, um, don't like the spotlight, and well, how do I still have a message to spread and how do I functionally get out there and do it? And so what I was sharing was stories that inspired me, you know, so whether it was uh, Steve Jobs or Walt Disney or Oprah Winfrey or Jay-Z or whoever it was that uh, I still need those stories daily for me. And luckily, in doing what I do, I also found that other people like it too. Uh, so I get to build a business and have a team and get however many you know hundreds of millions of views on the videos. But it still comes down to I'm making things that I wish that I have right now. Like I, I, I watch my own channel, the content that we you know will spin and DJ because I, I still need it for myself. And then the videos that I do, uh, where it's me or the interviews, I'm really just talking to younger Evan and all the people out there who currently are younger Evan and uh, trying to say the right message in the right way at the right time that it finally sparks a shift. Another, we'll call him role model hero, individual that you got to interact with, Tony Robbins. I'm sure that experience in and of itself was just surreal. I think it was multiple times you've actually interviewed him. And I'm curious, why is it so important to interview people from your perspective with everything that you do? Why do you take the time to interview individuals out there? You know, people ask me, who would I love to have on the channel? And there's nobody who... I like I'm really gunning after that. Oh, I really wish this person could come on. A lot of times I don't even know what to ask. Like there's there's nobody who I just need to hear their story or need to tell it selfishly for myself. Um I think I've been I've been fortunate over the years to slowly meet some of the people uh who I looked up to as role models or mentors, you know, Tony. I, I read his books and listened to his programs and having the opportunity to, to interview him i think he's been on three or four times on the channel um and then meet him at his events and go backstage with him and uh it's just cool where you, where you start like oh i'm just reading somebody's book and now you get to get to interact with them and realize they're just another human too just trying to make an impact and do their own thing um i've always been passionate about trying to like why would i do an interview i don't th necessarily think i'm the best interviewer uh, i just try to put a different spin on it 
as much as I can. So usually when people are coming on a channel for an interview, they're on some kind of tour, they're promoting something. Um, you know, when you reached out, I think it was on Instagram. Um, yes, I don't, I mean, I got nothing to promote. Uh, just here to help and serve. But a lot of times when people are coming on shows as they've got, they're, all, they're just trying to get eyeballs on something and it's, they put you as a stop on the tour. And what ends up happening is they kind of give the same interview and tell the same stories across 40 different podcasts that they hit up in two weeks. And, and that's cool. And it's fine to get kind of some names on your channel, but it's like, okay, well, how can I take this in a different direction? And what I find is the best interviews are where you pull on a thread that you're curious about, like as an interviewer uh, that you care about. And, you know, you might have 10 questions prepared, uh, the jumping off points in case you blank out or, uh, you know, go numb or whatever, and you have a question ready to go. But usually the best interviews I found are where you only ask two questions and then just keep pulling on that thread and going deeper and deeper and deeper until you kind of you satisfied your curiosity. So what I like doing with interviews is I'll, I'll watch their other interviews that they've done and hear the same stories that they share everywhere else and then try to shortcut the story by saying, I basically tell the story in 20 seconds and then ask a follow-up that I'm curious about. So in the shows that you watch where they've done the interviews, where did they miss the mark? Not that they were a bad interviewer, but like, where would you have gone deeper? What, what follow-up question would you have asked? And then that'll be my first question asking them and so you get a unique interview and that's been that's been my approach um i still get stressed out before doing interviews uh i'm just worried about asking the right question and uh, hoping that it goes the right way even though i've had tons of data and uh experience i guess to prove otherwise um yeah and so that it, it um at this point we're not aggressively going after anybody a lot of opportunities are coming in, and I'm just trying to find what's the unique angle that I'm curious about with this person that could also potentially help uh, my audience of entrepreneurs. I noticed that one in particular with the Craig Siegel interview that I watched of yours. He was recently on the podcast, and he may or may have not been referring to me when he was talking about the individual who had a growing audience, and he was willing to take a chance on someone who didn't have as big of a name. And I was like, oh. I think that was me. But nonetheless, I digress. I'm going to actually use your framework right now in, right. into what you were describing and see how that goes. So you broke your neck at one point. And <laughs> it's hard to see on Riverside because it kind of cuts us. But yeah, I was wearing this for 60 days, I think, 90 days. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I still kept it. Anyway, keep going. And so. In that time, as you're driving and going on tour, still doing the best that you possibly can to serve your community, you had an individual who you'd interacted with reach out to you and offer insights into how you could heal through manifestation, breathwork, meditation, and you end up implementing some of those techniques and end up working with this individual and end up healing at what you may or may not have considered, and obviously please correct me if I'm wrong, no faster or no slower than you otherwise would have, but there was definitely depth in that experience. And that individual was able to help themselves through working with you find their purpose. And then you channeled that 
into helping others find their purpose. And so I'm curious, pulling on this thread, doing my best to tell that story in 20 seconds or less, when did you start thinking about the problem of passion and purpose in the way that you do now? Oh, cool. You took it somewhere else. Um, that's great. <laughs> I don't know that I thought too much about it, to be honest. Um, I, I slowly had it injected into me as I studied all these successful entrepreneurs. So in my first business, I really struggled and I almost quit. And I told my business partner that I quit. And um, I came back the next day and we, we kept going. And the thing that saved me was studying the stories of successful entrepreneurs. Like if they could do it, maybe I can too. And that ended up becoming a foundational uh, tool in my tool belt. Uh, one that I lean on very heavily of, okay, if I don't know how to do something, somebody else has figured it out and I can go and model their success and they can give me ideas as well as motivation to keep going. And that's what I started to do. But at the beginning, it was just very tactical of, okay, I had a software company. I was struggling. Who's, who's built a software company? Bill Gates came to mind. So I studied early days of Microsoft, copied his strategies, made it my first deal for $13,500. And wow, this works. This is cool. I mean, 13 dollars I was rich uh, in my mind back then. I was, I was making 300 bucks a month. So this, that's, that's huge money. Uh, and so I just kept studying successful people. And one of the things that they kept saying was you have to find your passion. That's the number one rule for success over and over. Of all the people that I've studied, I mean, I've studied more successful entrepreneurs than most people. Uh, and the number one thing is that they love the work and they found their passion. And so I started self-examining and looking at, okay, what do I love doing? Uh, and how do I bring that more into my work? And how do I help other people uncover theirs as well through my story and the stories of these successful entrepreneurs. You know, if you hear a lesson once, you know, maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't. But if you keep hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again from all walks of life of people who've had success, it's like, huh, maybe, maybe there's something to that. Maybe I should try to figure it out. And now that's what I try to share on the channel and the work that I'm doing, whether it's my words, whether it's your words, whether it's Craig's words, whether it's Jay-Z's words, you know, how do I bring... Um, some of these thoughts to the forefront in a platform like YouTube where you can have hundreds of millions of people looking at your content. It's a responsibility that uh, I try to use for good, for positivity, for hope, for belief, because it'd be a lot easier to use the platform to talk about how stupid somebody is or the worst things this person has ever said. Uh, I'd be way bigger if I did that, but I probably would burn out because I don't actually enjoy the work. So you have to you have to enjoy the process. Um, to me, that's what finding your passion is. It's like you're serving, you're helping, you feel like what you do matters, and you have to enjoy the actual process of doing the work. You mentioned the concept of responsibility. You've studied thought leaders, executives, high-achieving individuals. What is the responsibility of a thought leader? So I don't know that I would be prescriptive here, uh, but I'll tell you how I view it. Uh, so it's not necessarily what everybody else has to do, but my approach is, comes from my mom. Uh, and she's, there's a giant poster of her kind of right outside my wall there looking at me. And 
she would say, if you have the ability, you have the responsibility. If you can, then you must. And to me, that's, uh, you know, good is the enemy of great. It's easy to stay good. It's easy to stay the, the big fish in a small pond. It's easy to be the, the, the best one in your friend's circle, the, the most ambitious from your high school, your local community. Like, it's easy. It's easy to stay comfortable. Uh, so what pushes you outside that? Well, the, the desire to serve and also the responsibility to serve. That it's, it's easy for me to wake up and, like, I don't have to make another video again if I didn't want to. Uh, and easy just to continue to coast off the channel and, you know, made lots of money in my businesses. But I also don't want to just sit at home and do nothing. You know, we want to serve, we want to help. And so whenever you can make the thing that you're about to do about more than you, you're more likely to show up. And so we'll let ourselves down all the time. But when you can tie the work that you're going to do to helping somebody else out, you're more likely to do it. You know, even looking at this in our calendars, it's on your calendar, it's on my calendar. Uh, if it was just me to make a video, maybe I do it, maybe I don't, you know? But, oh, Jonathan's going to be there? Okay, I mean, I'm not going to let Jonathan down, so I better show up and, and do this interview, right? And so it's sometimes hard when we're entrepreneurs and we're toiling away by ourselves in our office or basement or, you know, garage or whatever. And you like, you feel like the thing doesn't matter and you're not, you're not talking to enough people. And in my world or our world of being content creators, you know, you see a hundred views on a video or a thousand or a million. It's just, what does it mean? It's hard to, it's hard to taste. It's hard to feel connected to the thing that you're doing. But if you could actually feel responsible that people are counting on you, that your story matters, that if you don't show up today, somebody is going to be um, maybe not disappointed, but like they need the thing that you've got right now. If you can actually feel that, you're just going to show up with a lot more power every single day. And uh, I think that's part of the ongoing battle of being the entrepreneur. Throughout your book, Built to Serve, you have a quote at the start of every chapter. Each one a powerful theme. In terms of curating those particular models and themes, what was the thought process and how did you go about designing the frameworks for the book? So that was probably the biggest fight I got into with my publisher. It's like, there's too many quotes. Like, but I love quotes. <laughs> It's like, yeah, but it should just be you. It's like, yeah, but I don't like it just being me. I, I, I get inspired by quotes. And really, whatever I'm saying has already been said before. I'm just using different words and different frame of reference than what others have said before me. So uh, I chose quotes that inspired me. Um, I usually, for, for Built to Serve, you know, how I write a book, I'll, I'll usually kind of figure out a framework. So I wrote Built to Serve with a with a you know, chapters, chapter framework, and then I, I dive in. I have, it a, I have a hard time being in and looking uh, at the 50,000-foot view at the same time. So when I'm writing a page, I'm only thinking about, like, that page and how it fits to the next page. I'm, I forget kind of where I'm looking from a high level. So I, I usually go high level first and then, you know, figure out the, the entire structure, and then I start getting into the writing mode. And a lot of the quotes... Sometimes I already knew a quote. Sometimes it, like I, I got to include this quote as one of my favorite quotes. Sometimes I didn't have a quote yet, and I and I wrote the chapter, and I needed to go find something that like just fit perfectly. Um, 
And so a lot of people like the quotes in, in every chapter. Um, I'm sure other people don't, you know, like my publisher and, and probably other readers. And But uh, again, you have to... You have to fight for for you. You got to fight for your identity. You have to fight for your art. And not everybody's going to like it. And it's especially hard at the beginning to fight for your art when other people who seemingly have more experience and credibility and expertise are telling you, like, don't do this. This is this is stupid. You need to fix this. And uh, I I just took the approach that I'd rather fail with my art than potentially succeed uh, doing it somebody else's way. Pardon the interruption for this episode. We have a quick word from our sponsors and then we're right back to the show. The Inspired Speaker Formula just dropped. A formula to help you break free from speaking anxiety and stage fright. I designed this course based on overcoming my own fears of getting on stage. Caught in my own head, I was only thinking about my feelings rather than the message that I had to offer. It's about showing up for everyone else in the room and delivering in a way that brings value to your audience. That's what this course is about, how to pick your theme, theory, and thesis and normalize your fears around public speaking so you can do it in a way that captures and keeps your audience's attention. As someone who struggled with learning disabilities growing up, this course is the solution that I needed and now I'm offering it to you. You can catch the course on Udemy or InsideTheInspired.com where you can also earn a special gift from me to you. Just use the access code INSPIRED. That's right. Head over to InsideTheInspired.com to go check it out. All right, let's get back to the show. You hold yourself to a very high standard where there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, whether it's in the form of how vast and deep your audience goes near 4 million subscribers a little over at this point just on youtube alone how do you manage your emotions when it comes to the negative feedback the positive feedback how do you never get too high how do you never get too low this is funny when you said that i have high standards my initial reaction was yeah but they should be higher which I guess is a sign of high standards, right? That you're kind of never done. Uh, in general, I'm I'm uh, as much of an empath. Like I'm I'm an empath. I'm introverted, um, but I I'm able to control my emotions in general pretty well. I'm not the super emotional guy. Um, I would I would actually have a harder time controlling your emotions than mine. So if I was hanging with you and you were very sad, I'd get very sad. Or you had some trauma, I would I'd like not sleep because of your trauma. Uh, so I'll carry other people's emotions and wait a lot more than my own. Um, I think for any any emotions like that, what I I tend to default to a higher perspective, where you just look at the bigger picture that this is not that big a deal. Like whatever's happening right now is not that big a deal. And people say, well, this is the truth, right? Like this negative thing that's happening is the truth. Like, well, it is the truth, but it's like the truth that you choose to look at. There's lots of truths. The truth is also how blessed are we to be here? The truth is like what amazing weather we have and what awesome internet connections we have. And we get to share this conversation together. Like that's also truth. The truth doesn't have to be that, you know, you gained five pounds overnight because you ate a bunch of crap and now you feel bad about yourself. Or the truth is that your 
audience isn't growing as quickly as you'd like it to grow and you feel worthless. Like that's truth too, but uh, you get to choose the truth that you want to focus on. And I think if you can broaden the perspective and, and think bigger picture and longer term, it just eases a lot of those um, in the moment negative emotions that, you know, this person cut you off in traffic or one person left the negative feedback on your video. I mean, it doesn't matter anymore at that point. Um, in terms of specifically for, for you know, haters, uh, I don't believe in haters. So if you go back to the, the theory of the book is that people are built to serve. That's all people. Like the humans are built to serve. And so if you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. So why would the highlight of somebody's day come, you know, to leave a negative comment on Jonathan's video to say, Jonathan, you know, I hate your face and all, he, all the reasons why. Like if that's the highlight of their day. What kind of negative spot do they have to be in that that's how they show up? You know, it's like they're, I believe they're, they're good. I believe people are good. I just start with that as a foundation. People are good and we want to serve. Okay. So why would somebody who is good and wants to serve lash out and be so nasty? Well, because they must have something really nasty going on in their life right now. And so even just shifting to that perspective, it doesn't mean that what they did was right. It doesn't mean that you allow yourself to get bullied. But it removes the sting from what's happening. That this is like somebody has no idea who you are coming and leaving a nasty comment on your video it has nothing to do with you and is everything to do with where they are in their life right now. Um, and so if you, you know, if we believe in that philosophy, then haters don't, there's no haters. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. You're not like haters are not real. It's not a real thing. There's just a lot of people who are in a lot of pain and it's a lot of pain right now. And so then how do you choose to show up to try to diffuse some of that pain? I think, um, especially right now, one of the thoughts that are going through my mind is it feels like it's harder to win by being positive. You know, I've been in this game since 2009, so it's been a minute uh, of making YouTube videos since 2009 and before that, the website. And it feels like it's harder to win being positive, being hopeful, being optimistic. And it's so much easier to win being negative and controversial and slamming somebody. Uh, and if that's true, then holy cow, do we need more positivity and optimism and light and hope and all of us doing it in our own way? Uh, and so that's another thing that kind of gets me going every morning. Every time I feel something like that, it's okay, well, how are we going to be the change to make things different? Evan, I have one final question for you. I want to respect your time. This is a question I pose to everyone that comes on the show. If the future version of yourself from 10 years from now is to fly in, assuming he's in that ideal spot, and offer you some advice, what do you think he would say to you in order to get there? I go through a process um, of figuring out your one word. I call it your who and build to serve. It's your most important core value. And that question is the same question as, uh, you know, what would you tell your 19-year-old self looking backwards to me? It's your most important core value. So for me, it's belief. So I am 43 at the time of this recording. 43-year-old Evan would tell 19-year-old Evan to believe more in yourself. 95-year-old Evan would tell 43-year-old Evan to believe more in yourself. Right? Just believe that you can. Believe that it's possible. Believe that it will work out. Believe, believe, believe. And whatever, you know, it's a unique Evan Carmichael strategy, but whatever your most important core value is, it's easy to think about it looking backwards, like what would you tell your 19-year-old self? 
cool. Like that's if you close your eyes and you imagine 19 year old you on a park bench and you got five minutes with him, you're going to go sit down next to him. Like, what would you tell him that would rock his world? Cool. That's not super practical, but it's easy to go off and, and think about what you would say. Where it becomes really practical is whatever that advice is, you would give him, you, you still need today, just on a bigger level. And 95 year old you would come and tell you the exact same thing. And uh, that gives some extra perspective again to get off and go make the impact that you're born to make. Evan, thank you so much for your time. Please let the audience know where they can keep up with your journey. Uh, I mean, Evan Carmichael, wherever you guys are at, you want the book, Amazon's easiest spot. What, what episode number is this for you, Jonathan? By the time this releases, it will be 95. 95. And how often are you releasing episodes? As of now, I'm doing five a week. So this started, I would say, maybe 10 episodes ago. So the last two, three weeks, I've been doing five a week. And I'm really trying to up the content game so I could get to 100 sooner than later. It started out one a month. Okay. And then it was a couple of years ago. And this year alone, I mean, I think I've done 60 <laughs> let's been, go yeah so it's slowly more so, and more and more so listen, my call to action be for anybody listening to this go give jonathan some love uh come check me out if you want but go leave a comment on this video give him a, a thumbs up give him a like give him a subscribe but leave a comment if this meant anything to you because those early comments meant so much to me my first video it was up for a year and i had three comments it was my mom my older sister and then some random guy saw my video and it's like some guy saw my video and left a comment this is great like it felt it felt so good to know that you're having an impact and when you're when you're having you know tons of success it's easier to see all the comments but in the earlier stages and now going from one a month to five a week like jonathan's turning up the game here uh, so i think uh the, the call to action be hey support jonathan give him a comment and uh episode 250 let's do round two of this Okay, you got it. I appreciate it. I'm going to hold you to that. Thank when, you so much. Sir. When you get close, when you're like 230-ish, or if you're doing it five times a week, like once you cross 200, let's, uh, let's get a round two on the books and we can celebrate 250 together. Awesome. I appreciate you very much. That made me smile. Thank you so much, Evan. Cool. Much love.